Yeah, it's, it's actually not really at all about spending less. It's about spending right, you know? Um, a budget just makes sure that your spending is right. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and today we're talking budgeting with Jesse Meekum, the founder of YNAB. If you've been struggling thinking about how to save up for a tiny house, this is a great interview because Jesse is a budgeting pro. Not only did he found a software company called YNAB, which stands for You Need a Budget, he also has some really practical advice about how to think about budgeting and money. And we get into all of it, the practical and the philosophical. I've been using YNAB since 2013, and I think it is the bee's knees. So if you are curious about how to save, how to budget for your tiny house, this is the episode for you. And Before we jump into my conversation with Jesse, I just wanted to say thank you for all the wonderful responses to last week's episode. I had no idea that a solo show about what has broken and changed in my tiny house after five years would hit such a nerve for so many people. I really appreciate all the emails and comments that I got. And if you missed that episode, you can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash 046 to get directly to that episode page. Or even better, if you subscribe to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, it should be just back in your podcast feed. It was last week's episode. So again, that was episode 46. And thank you for your responses. And I have one more request. If you've been listening to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast and it's been helping you, I'd like to ask you to share it with someone else in your life who's also interested in tiny houses. Not a lot of people know how to listen to podcasts, so it's up to you to help. So take their phone, grab their computer, do whatever it takes, and subscribe them to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. I really appreciate it. Let's get into episode 47, my conversation with Jesse Meekum. All right, Jesse Meekum is the founder of YNAB, which stands for You Need a Budget. He teaches individuals, families, and business owners four rules for thinking about their money in a whole new way. While broke and a newly married college student, Jesse launched his original software as a spreadsheet, and it made money. The software has come a long way since then, and when not teaching people how to budget, Jesse loves gardening, CrossFit, marksmanship, and travel. Jesse Meekum, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I really appreciate you being here. I'm, I have to admit, I'm kind of a super fan. I've been using <laughs> YNAB since 2013 and oh, absolutely whoa. love it. Awesome. Thank you very much. That's a, that's a long time in YNAB years, actually. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I had the desktop software and all that. Cool. And I, I always tell people that I wish that I had found YNAB before I built my tiny house which I did in 2012, 2013. I went way over budget on that. Yeah, so it goes. Even tiny houses can break a, you know, break the budget in a big way probably if you let them. Oh, for sure. And when it comes to building projects uh, and you're dealing with, you know, sometimes contractors or multiple people doing different jobs and buying materials, there's always big potential for for overruns. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was curious if we could just start with um, an explanation of what what are the four rules for budgeting? Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, in a word, the the four rules, the first rule is kind of the king of all the other rules, and it is that you give every dollar a job. So you look at a pile of money that you have and you just ask yourself, what does this money and this money only that I have on hand right now, what does it have to do before I'm paid again? And what that does is it just starts to kind of flush out your priorities because you're dealing with a finite pile of money. You aren't able to say, oh, but I will earn more and what will I do with that? You just only look with what you have on hand. And that uh, that's a really good exercise. So that first rule, you're always just wanting to make sure every dollar is accounted for and that it's doing something that you really care about, that you really want it to do. The second rule is a little bit of a derivative of that where you want to look ahead not just be thinking about the current jobs that your dollars should be doing, but also looking ahead and asking yourself, what larger, less frequent expenses will I run into? Like I want to build a tiny house or I want to move or I want to go on vacation or do holidays or whatever it may be. But look ahead and ask yourself, where are those, those big bills coming due? And then you break them up into larger or into smaller, excuse me, smaller amounts and you make them monthly. So if you're gonna spend, for easy math, $1,200 on a vacation, and you're gonna do it in a year, you take the 1,200, you divide by 12 months, you got $100, that's essentially your vacation bill that you pay yourself every month. And that's that second rule is we wanna be looking ahead and being ready for those bigger, those larger, less frequent expenses. So when they do come, we're ready for them. And we have, you know, we've got a pile of money waiting for the bill instead of a pile of bills waiting for the money, as it were. Um, our third rule is a little bit of a strange one because you, it's weird. We have to make it a rule, but it's called rolling with the punches. And it's basically permission that if you want to change your budget that you've set up following rules one and two, that you do, you just change it as needed. So when something comes up, as you were mentioning at the beginning with your, you know, contractors and things like that, little hiccups come up in all sorts of things. And it's, it's on you to say, Oh, I have new information now. I need to change something about this. And uh, given this new information, my budget needs to shift slightly. And that's rule three is just rolling with those punches that come. And uh, the final four is to age your money. We want you to spend money that you earned at least 30 days ago. Or said another way, if your dollars had ages, you'd be spending money that was 30 days old at least. And that just helps people really break out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle and decrease their stress. So that's that's the word. We've just spent the last... Uh, gosh, you know, 14, 15 years teaching people those four basic rules over and over again. Yeah, I think that people think that they understand budgeting and everybody knows that they need a budget. And like, if you ask someone, they'd probably say, well, it just means spending less than you make. How does the YNAB software help people implement these four rules? Yeah, it's, it's actually not really at all about spending less it's about spending right, you know? Um, a budget just makes sure that your spending is right. I, I don't, I'm not really interested in spending less just to sit on that for a moment. Um, I want to spend spend it all, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so, and some, some of the money I will, this is a little bit of a play on words. I'm just thinking it, going through it now kind of for the first time, but some of my money I will spend on, stocks or bonds or other investments because i know that spending that money on those things will pay me more money later um, but at the end of the day all of my money i want it all to be spent and i just want it to be spent right 
and that's what's what the budget does so the software um which i don't talk about a ton as you know on, on our, own, our own podcast from things like that but the software is just a really nice interface to let you easily see what money you have that finite pile you have allocate it to different categories that you you know different jobs different priorities that you want your money to do and see those balances climb over time so if you're i have no idea about tiny houses but Let's say that you had a tiny house that was going to be 12 grand and you wanted to build it in one year. Again, I'm doing easy math for myself. You would put a category in, in the YNAB software and say tiny house build. And then every single month you'd drop $1,000 into that to make sure that once you started the build, if you wanted to have all the money before you started, that you could then say, okay, I've got my 12 grand saved up. I saved it up over a year. And that category in YNAB would just climb and climb each month until you hit it. And then you can spend from it and uh, do it without guilt and without feeling like you're disrupting the rest of your budget with some big, you know, out of the ordinary expense. Yeah. And I think what's powerful about it is that it not only helps you save money towards your goals, but it seems to also help you spend it. And what I mean is like, I was great at saving for my tiny house. This was pre YNAB for me. And I, you know, my goal was to save $25,000. And so I created a separate savings account. I named it, you know, my tiny house freedom fund. And I just, you know, socked away money as fast as I could, putting it into that account. And I did a great job at, you know, delaying gratification, not going to the restaurant now so I could put, you know, okay, I'll put $20 into my freedom fund here. Yeah, yeah. But it was the spending of that money. Once I was actually building the house, I basically had no good system for keeping track of, okay, what, you know, how much have I budgeted for the roof job? Am I yeah. over budget on the roof? Where do I have to take money from to, to make up for that? So I went like egregiously over budget on my mm -hmm. house. The, the key is, and some of those really big projects, like a tiny house where you have pretty clear components or pretty clear breakdowns on where the spending will happen. It would probably be ideal to have kind of a category group that says, okay, this is the tiny house. And then within that, you have the component structures to where you, you aren't just having it all be in one mishmash of 25 grand, but you're able to break it out a little more granularly to be a little more strategic. If that, if there's some room available for you to be able to say, okay, I'm going to spend this much on the roof and this much here. So if you have a, a slip up in one area, it won't cause you to do that thing where we all just like, ah, oh, the whole project's just gone. So just whatever. We'll, let's just get it done. And we we lose our sensitivity to the budget breaking, essentially, or needing to be adjusted. But if you can break it down into component parts, maybe four or five parts, you then kind of feel like, okay, maybe I went a little over on the roof, for instance. But look look how great I did right here with the rest of it. So you don't you aren't penalizing yourself kind of extrapolating that one overspend on the roof across the whole project and say, oh man, the whole project was busted. Maybe you did pretty well in some of the other, you know, maybe wiring came in a little under budget or things like that. So that's just a little tactic, but I think it's worth mentioning because when you're doing a big build like that, we're doing a big landscaping build right now at our house and, and uh, I'm super excited about it. But if I were to just look at it as one big hole, it would get really messy. And, uh, I don't think I'd be making good decisions as far as where to allow for an overrun and where, where to really hold the reins in. That's a good point. The The spending tracking is key, though. I mean, if you set a budget and then you aren't tracking how you do against it, uh, you, you know, it's a non-starter. Absolutely. So a tiny house, if you're going to build it yourself, um, it's probably about twenty to $40,000 in new materials. 
And if you're going to have someone build it for you, it's anywhere from forty to $100,000. And so for many people, this is the biggest expense that they have ever, you know, kind of needed to come up with money for. And another tricky thing is that there really isn't a lot of established lending for tiny houses, especially the ones that are on wheels, because banks don't really know quite what they are yet. So what's your advice for someone, you know, take tiny house out of it, but who's trying to save a what feels to them to be a big sum of money? Yeah, break it down. You want to get hit and put some milestones in there. And even if they're just mental milestones, if I'm trying to save a hundred grand, you better bet I'm going to at least be looking at every 10 grand as an, as like an increment that's worth celebrating. So that's a long haul to a hundred thousand bucks, you know, unless you're just, you know, money's falling on you or something. But, you know, for most people, that's going to take a good long while. And um, you want to make sure you have milestones along the way so you can celebrate stuff. That's key. Another another bit that is key here, too, is you want to make sure that there, you have a little bit of breathing room so that this long haul toward 100 grand saved, uh, that it's sustainable. So you don't want to go so hard for so long that halfway through, you're just going to throw in the towel and, you know, borrow money in some horribly expensive way to finish it off. You want to make sure that it's a sustainable pace. And that might mean that you back off just slightly on your intensity around where you've cut in order to make the savings, just so that you can know that it'll be, you know, you'll be in it for the long haul. Too many people just go crazy and they cut everything. And it's, it's like they're sprinting in a marathon and, you know, 800 meters later, that person's sucking wind and, and, uh, they're, you know, it's going to affect the rest of their race if they even finish. So we just got to make sure that we find those meaningful milestones along the way and give, give ourselves some breathing room elsewhere in the budget to make sure that we can hold that pace. I like that advice a lot. And I can identify with it. You know, I was saving for this house and I was kind of maybe going, as you said, going a little bit too hard, just putting everything away. And I wasn't taking the time to enjoy the fact that I live in Vermont and there's amazing mountain biking and skiing and just all these fun things to do. I just felt like I was just one track mind. And, and I think that that's important also during the building of the house too, to, to take those breaks and give yourself a chance to do something else. Absolutely. Now there, there's a time and place for intensity, you know, because sometimes it can move the needle for you. It can show you what you're made of. It can uh, change your perspective because you look back and you say, man, those four months, those were crazy. I never want to do that again, but look what I learned. So there's a place for it. You just have to recognize it when you're doing it and, and call it for what it is. Say, oh, this is a, this is an unsustainable sprint at the moment. And, uh, I just want to make sure that I'm aware of what I'm doing to myself right now. So that if you do feel like you need to stop, you aren't saying you're quitting. You're just saying, oh, I'm going to back off on the sprint. We're going to find a more sustainable pace. So just be very, self-aware of what you're subjecting yourself to so that you don't beat yourself up when you know you're not holding a sprinter's pace the whole time what's your recommendation for when to have multiple budgets because YNAB does allow you to create more than one budget if you'd like and even taking YNAB as a tool out of it I'm sure other budgeting software allows you to create multiple budgets when do you recommend, you know, creating a separate budget? Like, would you create a separate budget for a tiny house or do you kind of recommend keeping that all lumped in with your day-to-day expenses? 
My if if it's in the same account, if it's all going to be spent from the same account, I would keep it in the same budget. If you're setting up a separate account that will be separately spent from, not just where to put the money before it's spent, but to actually have money go in and then out, then I would run a separate budget potentially. Um, but I I would definitely wouldn't run a separate one if they were all if it was all going to be spent from one. I feel like you'd just be bouncing back and forth between, you know, personal normal versus your your tiny house budget itself. So. Um, I'm all for doing less uh, as much as possible, the least amount possible, kind of the minimum effective dose necessary of budgeting. You don't want to do more. You want to do just enough to get the efficacy and then and then back way off of it. So um, if you could help it, I would just put it in one and then maybe be granular inside your category group for that and say, okay, these are the different components that we're going to do. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And just circling back to, I think, rule two, the the process for me of sitting down and just figuring out what my yearly expenses, the ones that come once a year, and then budgeting out for those monthly was so huge. And I feel like that could be a big pitfall for someone who's going too hard, you know, putting every last cent towards their tiny house and then not remembering that twice a year their $600 car insurance bill comes up and then having to basically pull money back out and feeling like you're going in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. We call it the revolving door of savings where you're like, man, I'm, I'm really saving a lot. And you're actually not, you're just setting money aside to be spent very soon. And, uh, yeah, that happens a lot, but people are saying I've put money in savings and then it just goes back down to zero or close. And it's just cause they don't have the full picture of those obligations that are upcoming. You've got real obligations like your car tires. We know that no, well, I, I'm not aware of a car tire and I would buy it that will not wear out, right? I would pay five times what I pay for normal tires to know that I never, ever had to change my tires again, but we don't have those yet. So anyone that's driving around in a car regularly and uh, isn't setting aside money for things like car repairs, car tires going out. They're, they're just not really acknowledging the fact that they're incurring an obligation every time they drive. And there are, there are not a ton of those examples, but there are enough where it's a material amount for our finances. And we want to make sure that when we're thinking about what to do with our money now, we're, we're bringing into the equation those questions about what it will need to be doing in the near future, because that affects our decisions for the now. When you're saying, oh, I want to buy these really nice boots, but you have an, that insurance bill that you mentioned due in three days that you're unaware of, that should factor into the boots equation. You know, buy the boots in a little while, but uh, you know, make sure you got money for the insurance bill. A lot of people find that once they do start living tiny, their expenses go down quite a bit and it's a common story. You hear people say, you know, I didn't think that I was going to, but I decided that I wanted to, you know, work part time instead of full time. Or I wanted to, you know, start volunteering more and go down on my hours at, at work. And I know that in I remember in the desktop version of YNAB or earlier iterations, the idea mm -hmm. was to get one month ahead. Yeah. And I was curious if what you think about the idea of getting too far ahead. Like if maybe going back to before what you said that you want to spend your money right, not just right. spend less than you make. Like, can you get too far ahead on your budget? Uh, yeah, you probably at some point, uh, when we look at the age of money and you, you know, a lot of people in the software, they'll say, 
oh man, the, the dollar I just spent, I earned that dollar 180 days ago or 200 days ago. That's getting pretty long, you know, um, or they're saying I'm funding three months, four months out at that point, unless you're in just the most volatile income situation that you can imagine, I don't see a lot of utility in that additional extra month of buffer that you're creating. So it's really just a, a question of asking yourself what the marginal utility is of that extra month of savings. I personally fund, let's see, we're, you know, if we were in uh, January 1st, at January 1st, I would be, I would have all of my categories funded through February. And then I just know if no money came in for two months, I could live normally through February. And then I do have some cash that I just call my emergency fund, and it's probably another three months worth or so. Um, beyond that, I think it would be, I mean, at some point you do go too far. Like you're always wanting to weave this net of financial safety. And at some point you're just sitting there weaving and weaving and weaving and the, the, the net is strong enough. You know, it's time to do something else with your money. Um, sometimes people will actually end up, they're, they're just trying to secure and shore up so much because they're avoiding something else. Uh, you know, they're avoiding taking a risk with their money. They're avoiding investing because it seems scary. Uh, they're avoiding, avoiding um, questioning, you know, maybe I don't have to work as much as I think I do. And that's actually a, kind of a scary question for a lot of people. So a lot of times when we're just, when we find ourselves kind of habitually just throwing more and more money into the pile and getting quote safer and safer, I don't think you're actually getting safer. I think a lot of times you're just uh, hiding from some bigger question you maybe should be asking. Have you ever heard a story that you'd be willing to share of someone using YNAB for something completely unconventional or not not for money but for something else? Oh, gosh, all the time. Eating. Uh, they'll track their food in it somehow. Uh, they'll track their time in it. So it's, we, we just did this exercise the other day where you were supposed to look at your timeline of your life and pick when you would die. So I picked a hundred cause that's an even number. And then, uh, you put an X for your age and you have this timeline of everything that's left. And the speaker was saying, well now put in life events. And I thought, Oh man, I'm just I'm actually just budgeting my life right now in big, big chunks, you know, like five year increments or so. And you're starting to talk about when kids are graduating, when you're empty nesting, what, you know, things might look like pretty fun exercise, especially if you're married to try and, you know, do that with your spouse. But the, um, the interesting bit was I thought, oh, I'm budgeting, I'm budgeting my life, you know? And, uh, I've seen people do that with wine. I'm not at that timeline lifeline scale, but I've seen them do that on their daily scale. So yeah, there's, there's been some, some funny uses of, sometimes people will use it for tracking chores and things with their kids. Um, we don't build it to support any of those things. So right. It's just people getting creative, uh, which is fun. You know, it's fun to see. Yeah, I've definitely thought about a YNAB approach to time and especially for like learning a new skill, like learning a language. If you're you make a goal of saying, OK, I'm going to do my Duolingo app practice. I want to do that for, you know, 100 minutes a month or just yeah. doing easy math again. And it's almost like instead of starting with no money, you start with a hundred minutes and then you spend your time throughout that month and you try exactly. to get to zero. Yeah. Yeah. We get a deposit every day in that time account, you know, and, um, every day we get it and, uh, well, you know, you hope to, to get it every day. Right. And so it's a really interesting exercise to recognize that time is finite. If you trace money back far enough, 
uh, in your mind and how it how it's used. I'm reminded of of uh, Vicky Robbins and Joe Dominguez, their book, Your Money or Your Life, which uh, it's probably a pretty fitting in the tiny house movement because that seems to be a common overlap. But um, the idea that we basically are trading our time for money. And so it's a pretty short little leap to start looking at your time as this finite resource that should be prioritized and where, uh, you know, behind which you put lots and lots of well thought out intention. Yeah. Time is money. I don't know who said it, but it's a common saying. Probably Ben Franklin or Abraham Lincoln. Doesn't, don't everyone, they always like assert that those two people basically said every quote. So I think that's what we'll go with. Yeah. No, they're smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, I mean, in the tiny house world, you know, in my classes, I give people a benchmark of 800 hours roughly of work if you want to build your own house. And so you could even track your time that way. Yeah. I mean, that's, and what's nice about it is you can take the 800 and say, holy, whoa, you know, that's a lot. But then if you put it out on a calendar and you back it up, I'm sure you do this in your classes, you show people, well, you need to get started, but it's not a crisis, you know? And right. it's, um, it, it's one it's day a week for a hundred yeah. weeks. And so you just say, okay, you're going to be done in two years. You'll do, um, you know, every weekend, devote a day to it and, or maybe two evenings or whatever, and you'll get there. But it shows people two things. One, this is a lot of work. Two, it's doable. And three, that you should start soon. And I think those are, that's a powerful lesson when you look at it that way. What is your advice for staying engaged in your current kind of line of work? I know we're, we're totally going out and this is a selfish question for me yeah. because, you know, I'm like five or six years out from building a tiny house and I've stayed kind of engaged in this space. My whole business is built around it. And, you know, for you, you, you know, you developed this spreadsheet for yourself years and years ago and it's become a business for you. How do you keep yourself kind of interested and excited about budgeting all these years later? Oh, that is isn't. I ebb and flow, you know, so... I don't wake up every day and say, oh man, I can't wait to tell more people about budgeting. Um, not every day, but some days I am pretty darn excited about it. It just kind of depends. So I, it helped me recognize that I ebb and flow and then to calm down when I was ebbing, you know, I would start to ebb and be like, oh, is that my passion about this? Is this, and then I'd start flowing again. You realize, oh yeah, you are. It's ebb and flow is just part of life. So, um, I've, I've finished, you know, I'm no longer beating myself up for the ebbing part. Um, but as far as keeping it interesting, you just, I mean, I started out just for me and my wife. And so that was just, it was a need, just straight up need. I didn't think, oh, I'll build this because I also need it. I built it because I needed it and never thought of anyone else ever using it until much later. But then I worked uh, on it on the side for, I, I wasn't full time with it for probably a little under five years. So it was a slow, you know, just a side thing for a long time. And I was perfectly fine, but I just realized over time that it had some legs to it. That was great. And then, uh, I just got more and more into it and, uh, became better and better at it over time and realized that the more time I spent there, uh, it was far more productive than what I was doing in my quote unquote real job and things like that. So, uh, it wasn't an overnight thing at all. It would, you know, it took some took some courage on my part that, and if I could go back and ask myself or promote anything to myself, I would say, Hey man, jump a little quicker, you know, go full time. You don't have anything to lose, but it took, it took a while for me to convince myself back then that I could actually 
have some viable business that could feed the family and all that. So I don't regret the decision, but um, I do think I waited longer than most would to jump ship and make it a full-time thing. Yes. And of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you did eventually jump because it is a powerful tool that, you know, has helped me and um, I don't know how many people are using it now, but I'm sure tens Not of thousands. Enough. Not, Not enough. Not enough. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I like to ask all of my guests uh, is what are two or three resources? So like books, people, philosophies that mm-hmm. have helped helped you along your way that you'd like to share with our listeners. Yeah. Mm. And you are allowed to promote your own. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a pretty good book. It's called You Need a Budget. And uh, I like that one. I actually really, I did the audio book and I really enjoyed doing the audio book. Uh, I didn't think I would. It was hard, but that was fun. And people have told me the audio book is better than the actual book. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, that, that was, a, it was fun to kind of put it all into a book and make it a little more lasting in some way. So that was fun. But uh, I don't read my own book for inspiration. So um, I, I don't, I'm not a big podcast listener, really. I do have a podcast, but um, I enjoy the books that have taken people a while to write. And uh, in, along those lines, one of my favorite books is uh, the story of John D. Rockefeller, and it's called Titan. It's by Ron Chernow. And I just thoroughly enjoyed that story. He was a complex man, um, just a massive historical figure. And uh, you can love him or hate him, but the book is good either way. You know, uh, I think he was too complex to love or hate, honestly. But uh, I really enjoyed that book. And if you have 38 hours of audio, you know, available to you, that's the one you'd go with. Um, recently, and this is very new, and I'm I'm hesitant to recommend. Actually, I'll recommend an older book from the same author, but. Everyone that joins YNAB, the team, uh, they are required to read a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, And people that are building their own tiny house would definitely identify with a lot of the veins of thought he has in that book around just along the lines of doing things with your hands and being present in a moment and uh, manipulating physical objects versus just staring at screens and pushing bits around. Uh, So Deep Work is is a fantastic book for kind of managing, um, managing the, all the inputs and taking time for yourself where you're working on really deep problems and thinking and quiet. And then a follow on to that book that I just finished. And that's why I'm hesitant to recommend it because it, it's still new. Um, but he wrote a book called digital minimalism that I've implemented over the last, just the last three weeks. And I am really enjoying the changes that I've seen in my own life from taking what he learned in deep work and kind of coalesced for us, but he, he took it and made it more of a personal, more personal application and being more intentional about the digital tech that we adopt and why we, why we do it and just making sure that we're putting our own values on the table, you know, before we just say, Oh, this is new. So therefore I'll, I'll bring it into my life. Uh, and I've really liked that. I, I removed Slack from my phone. I've removed email and Safari from my phone. It's on always do not disturb with no notifications. There's just some really fun things that I've done there. My screen time has plummeted uh, and my presence with my kids has, has gone through the roof. So, um, yeah, that one's recent. So there's a little bit of a recency bias in that last recommendation. But uh, I, I really am enjoying the change that I've seen just in my in that short little while that I'm doing it. So I guess I'll 
leave people with that. If you're a business owner and uh, you're looking for a good business book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz is excellent. Just really nitty gritty, good insights as far as people and culture and things like that. I've, I've gotten a lot of value out of that one. Cool. Thank you for those. You bet. Is, is there a particular person or book about budgeting that was influencing you back when you kind of thought of YNAB? Yeah, there were several. I really liked, uh, I still like The Richest Man in Babylon. I love the fable format of it. Um, I mentioned Your Money or Your Life. Uh, Vicki Robbins, fantastic individual. She and I have been able to hang out a couple times and uh, we spent some time in Ecuador together. It was way fun. And she's still going strong, just promoting the idea that we put intention behind our money. Um, I really like Dave Ramsey and and his stance, his, his uh, just strong stance against debt and with with empowering people to, to, uh, not have debt be an option. I think he, he's, uh, done fantastic work there and he's, uh, he inspired me when I was younger quite a bit as well and helped me to not want to take on any student loans or things like that. So, um, I owed a debt of gratitude to him and, um, though I'd probably say those three were the, were the big formative influences on me, uh, in my teenage years actually. So. I, I would read those books as a teenager, which is weird. I, I hesitate to, you know, admit that, but it's true. So I think there's no shame in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse Meekum, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. This was really helpful. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much to Jesse Meekum for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes and resources that Jesse mentioned, links to YNAB, and a review of the four rules over at thetinyhouse.net slash 047. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 047. Thanks again to everyone for listening, for sharing the show, and for subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for this week. I'm Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.